All right. Well, we are in week two of our new series, Necessary Sins. And we're uh, taking four weeks to look at things that our culture says are okay, but that the Bible speaks out against. Week one, we said that there are things that are wrong in God's eyes, but just seem fine to our culture. And there's a couple things that really we have to understand. Because when you read something in Scripture and you go, "Eh, why do we have to do that? That just doesn't make any sense. You have to remember two things. One, God always has your best interest at heart. He's not making you do stuff that's just for the sake of making you do it or to keep fun from you or anything like that. He's always got your best interest at heart. He's always looking to protect you. That's one. You got to understand that. And the second thing is he's smarter than us. The one who created us, the one who redeems us, the one who sustains us knows more than us, knows the amount of hairs on our head, knows everything about us. And so there are some times where we just have to trust God. That was our conclusion week one, that it's a good idea to listen to the one who loves us unconditionally and knows everything. And we looked at how lying can sometimes be seen as, you know, a small thing, but really hurts relationships, hurts God, ends up hurting me, especially when we believe the lives. Well, this week, we might be looking at one of the most acceptable sins that there is when we look at things in the Bible that God warns us about. In fact, uh, some people don't even know it's a sin. It's something that's really accepted in our culture. In fact, you might call it a sport. There are popular TV shows based on this thing. But before we go there, Let's pray the prayer that we're praying uh, for the entire series. It comes from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I love how the psalmist doesn't assume they know everything just because, God, there's parts of me that need open heart surgery from you. There's parts of me that need changing. Would you search? Would you show me? And would you help me? When I was young, I had a friend. We were rascal. We got in a lot of trouble. We did a lot of crazy things. But his parents were real strong Christians. I mean, everybody knew it. Of course, we were not. We got into everything. But I remember my buddy would justify everything we did by comparing us to his mother. See, his mother would commit this sin over and over and over, and I didn't even really know it was a sin, but he did. His mother would gossip. She would gossip. She was like Aunt B. She'd get that phone. Oh, did you see that dress Thelma wore last week? Oh, that was inappropriate for church. You know, on and on and on and on and on, which, you know, made my buddy think, hey, drinking and driving must be fine if mom does that. Both things are sins in God's eyes. And, you know, we try to justify everything we do. Of course, we think about that. We think, man, those two things are a lot different. Drinking and driving can kill people. Gossiping is pretty acceptable. But for some reason, God is against it. Why? I mean, could it be that gossip is detrimental to our well-being? Gossip is really one of the most dangerous things a believer can do. It's devastating to the body of Christ. If you don't like this message, you don't agree with my sermon, it's okay, you can gossip about me later. But let's start out by defining what gossip is because it can be kind of confusing. Webster's English Dictionary says, it's a conversation involving malicious chatter or rumors about other people. When I first got in ministry, I was worried. I think I'm gossiping. 
because I'm talking about people constantly. And pastors, you know, you have to talk about people, talk about people's problems sometimes. But I remember the pastor telling me, he goes, you're not gossiping. And I go, well, define what gossip is. He says, you're not gossiping because you're trying to help them. He goes, gossiping is when you're talking about a person's problem and you're talking to somebody who's not a part of the problem or not a part of the solution. You really have to take a heart check and ask yourself, am I genuinely concerned and strategically communicating to try to help him or her? Or has it just been 16 hours since I watched Entertainment Tonight and I need a fix? Let's see what God has to say about this. Because some of you are probably thinking, oh, gossip, come on, it's not that bad. Check this out. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil. Number six, a false witness who pours out lies. We kind of understand those things. But watch this, the seventh one. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. That's gossiping. A person stirs up conflict in the community. The Bible says God detests gossip. Why? Let me put it this way. Being a pastor, from time to time, people talk about me. It just happens. And it's amazing how much of what people talk about me behind my back gets back to me. Have you ever noticed that? But it really didn't bother me. I figured it's just part of the job. But you know what makes me mad? Not if you talk about me, but if you talk about my kids in a negative way or my wife in a negative way. It's kind of different. I'm like, you can talk about me all you want. What? Did you talk about my daughter? Did you talk about my, you don't talk about April. You don't talk about April. You know what I mean? That makes me fight mad. And I wonder if somehow God's kind of the same way. If God's like, hey, don't talk about my bride, the church. Don't talk about my children. I think God's protective about us. But gossip really is attractive in some twisted, sick way. And that's why all these gossip shows are so popular. Look at this proverb. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. It's like something we love. What is it? Why do people like gossip so much? Well, I looked at answers to a survey, and uh, here's the top two answers. Number one, people feel empowered when sharing another's suffering. I don't know why, but, you know, it's like, oh, they're doing bad. It kind of makes me feel better if I talk about somebody else who's not doing so good. And the second thing, next uh, top answer is people are entertained by others' problems. Now think about that. You're empowered or you're entertained. You know, that really is a reflection of our sick, sinful nature. I mean, that we would be somehow entertained by other people's problem. And yet that is a part of our culture. And you might be starting to understand why God may hate gossip. He doesn't like people talking about his children. He hates the reflection of our sinful nature. And I know, I know, everybody does it. It's socially acceptable. But that doesn't make it right. The first week that we did this series, I said it's one thing to tell a lie. It's another thing to be lied to. Well, the same thing pertains to gossip. It's one thing to gossip. It's another thing to be gossiped about. And the three facts about lying that make uh, lies devastating or the, could be used all for gossip. One, it hurts relationships. Two, God hates it. And three, it ends up boomeranging back and, and hurting me. And as followers of Christ, we're called to a higher standard than culture. 
One of the reasons the church is so ineffective in our culture, in my opinion, is oftentimes people who aren't Christians don't see any difference in Christians' lives. I mean, people gossip all the time. But you know, as members of the body of Christ, we ought to think before we speak because it hurts people. And people say, well, you know, it doesn't really make a difference. They're just mere words. How bad can words be? Well, if you watch the news, kids are coming on campuses with assault rifles and shooting other kids because of stuff they said about them. So it's not like a small thing. It is a big deal and it hurts people. Remember, God's smarter than us. So how do we overcome gossip? There's three questions that you can use to overcome gossip. And they're very, very important, very wise to do this. When you're about to talk or talk about somebody, here's a question you can ask yourself before you do that. Is my conversation helpful or is my conversation hurtful? You know, the Apostle Paul did a lot of hurtful things to the church before his conversion. He hurt the church by what he said. He hurt the church by what he did. But after his conversion, he did a 180. And in his letter to Ephesus, he explains in detail how a church is to function, particularly chapter 4. Chapter 4 tells you how a church really should operate. The end of chapter 4, he says this, check it out. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Many of you have seen that before. Do you know how most Christians interpret this? Don't curse. That's what they do. And they'll quote this. If you use bad language, they'll go, oh, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Well, I wouldn't say that's completely incorrect, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about what you say that can hurt other people, what you say about other people. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Watch this. But only what is helpful, not hurtful, helpful. Watch this. For building others up, according to their needs. The reason gossip is such a big deal is because, listen, we're the body of Christ. We're Christians. We're brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be building other people up. Each other and even those outside of the church. Is what coming out of your mouth helpful for building people up? You know, according to their needs? Or is it just entertaining? Or does it make you feel better? In this day of social media, I think gossip has gone from pretty big problem to just out of control. Because it's easy to gossip now. But do we think, do we think, Paul says what comes out of your mouth is important. It can help or it can hurt. It can change the trajectory of a person's life. I've always been interested in psychology and read some books on it. A lot of pastors are. They want to know what goes on in the minds of people. But did you know that most serial killers had an overbearing parent that they were afraid of? And John Douglas explains this in his book, The Mindhunter. He says, you know, most serial killers, we think they're crazy. They're psychotic. Psychotic implies that a person has a delusional psychosis. They hear voices or see things that aren't there. And he says that this isn't the case at all. He says serial killers are psychopaths, but they suffer from mental disorders coupled with violent and aggressive social behavior, but they're not crazy or insane. They're not delusional. Serial killers are the most extreme form of psychopaths, he says, but are not crazy or insane in any sense of the word. So what tips them over the edge? Verbal 
abuse when they're kids. Verbal abuse. Don't tell me words don't matter. Words are huge. I came up with this a few years ago. It's a timeless truth today. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but it's words that really hurt me. Most of the problems of our society can be traced to unwholesome words proceeding from people's mouths. You think about the worst things in human history. I mean, I think about the Nazi movement. And how did that all start? How did one little country, they're like a state, one little country, Germany, almost take over the world, do so many horrible things. It was a leader running his mouth. And people think, well, what you say doesn't really have that big of an impact. It does. It really does. Check this proverb out, 16, 27, and 28. Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. See how that hurts relationships? See how God's all about us having healthy relationships? He hates gossip because gossip breaks down the relationship, separates the best of friends. So you have to ask, is my conversation helpful or hurtful? You know where some of the worst gossip takes place within churches? I've seen it. Prayer meetings. I've been to prayer meetings before where it's like, I'll give you an example. I'll just make one up. Praying and it's like, and then somebody will go, oh Lord, help Thelma. She just sleeps with every man she meets. And you're in this prayer meeting, you're like, golly, I didn't need that information. You're at a prayer meeting and people, it's like sometimes they just don't think. There are closet prayers. It'd be okay for her to pray that prayer. But there are closet prayers and there are public prayers. And all you have to do to know the difference is think. And some people think, well, if it's true, it's not gossip. No. It can be true and it still be gossip. If it's false, the Bible calls that slander. You've got to think before you speak. i got another timeless truth today. Everything you say should be true, but everything that's true need not be said. Think before you speak. Is what I'm saying helpful or hurtful? And then the second question to ask about gossip is, am I making private matters public? Is it helpful or is it hurtful? You always err on the side of privacy if you wonder. It's much better for someone to say, oh, Lenny, I wouldn't have cared if you had said that, than them to say, "Uh, I told you that in confidence. Now, I'm a pretty public person. I really don't care what people know too much. I actually embarrass people with with what I tell them. I don't know if it's because I was raised in a medical household or what, but, you know, somebody may say, Lenny, why can't you meet me? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, but I've got hemorrhoids the size of golf balls. It just doesn't bother me to say that. Now, my wife is much more private. I would say, she's not feeling well. And they go, what's wrong with her? It's a private matter. You think. You have to consider the person and their feelings, what would help them. But this is an important issue. Gossip is huge. Look at this proverb. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. There's nothing like a friendship with someone you can trust. And life's all about relationships. The quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. Something about having a buddy. You know you can go tell them something, and you know you can trust them. 
Just this week, I had a friend that was talking about your pastor, gossiping about your pastor. He wasn't really gossiping. He was bragging on Bill. You know, he said, he goes, I can tell Bill anything. I don't have to worry. I could tell him anything. There's something about having just the trustworthy relationship. The proverb is true. I mean, it could be a destructive blaze. And in our culture, like I said earlier, of social media, things can go viral. So you must be careful. It's not just running your mouth. It's posting, texting, tweeting. That's gossip. So we avoid gossip to protect others. But remember, we avoid it to protect ourselves too. God wants you to be that trustworthy person that can keep a confidence. That's part of following Jesus. Look at the next proverb here. A lot of proverbs that pertain to this subject. When arguing with your neighbor, it's going to happen. You're going to argue. Don't betray another secret. There's a temptation when things aren't going that right. Well, maybe now I'll do a smear campaign. Watch this. Others may accuse you of gossip, and you will never again regain your good reputation. If you're a gossip at your school or workplace, and you're trying to impact somebody for Christ, you're going to have a hard time. If you gossip and just talk about people all the time, and then, oh, you want to go to church with me? They're probably like, I don't want to go to church with you. I mean, it really does impact how people think about us. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Am I making private matters public? And then number three, this is something we got to think about too. Am I permitting others to gossip? It's a good question. Well, I'm not doing it, so it must be okay. There's this thing called guilt by association I try to tell my kids. I go, if you're there and it's happening, you're a part of it. I didn't do anything. Did you do anything to stop it? Well, guilt by association. Look at the next proverb, 17.4. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to slander. I think it's human nature to be curious. But remember, curiosity killed the cat. And that's not biblical, but I'm telling you, it's true. I was driving to Amway Arena to see God's boys play basketball a few years ago, uh, the Gators. As usual, I didn't have any extra time, and I'm getting irritated. I'm going to be late for the game. And then, of course, there's a wreck. It's Saturday. I force you to be fine, but there's a wreck. And, I mean, it's backed up for miles and miles. And I figured the road must be blocked. But guess what? It wasn't blocked. It was the other side of the road. So why is our lane slowing down if it's on the other side? rubberneckers you know what I mean people are so curious they just have to know every detail and then what happens when they do that then there's more accident that happens you just got to watch it curiosity can hurt you my point's this when you listen to gossip you participate in gossip wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip in other words it's not only wrong to speak gossip but to listen to the gossip why because What you permit, you promote. What you permit, you promote. If you listen, you're promoting it. If you listen to it, you're in it. You're actually facilitating it. One of the easiest ways to correct someone in this area, you start to hear something that you know is gossip, and then you do this. You go, whoa, do I need to hear this? A gossiper will get offended real quick. They're starting to tell you some juicy stuff. And I'm like, whoa, do I really need to hear this? Maybe you need to go talk to them about it. Or maybe go talk to their pastor. But you know what? I don't need to hear that. You know, a lot of uh, churches 
have membership covenants. When you sign, yes, I'm going to be a part of this church and a member of the church, a lot of churches have you promise you'll never gossip. It's very important. You know why? Because the unity of the church is broken down and relationships are broken down. Let me give you just a couple of rules of communication. One, I will not say anything about another that I would not say to their face. It's really important. Sometimes, you know, I got five kids. Sometimes in my house, I'll be talking about one of the kids to another one of my kids. And they'll be like, shh, they're right there. I go, I don't care if they're right there. You know, if I cared, I wouldn't be saying it. They can, in fact, come on in here. You need to hear this. But, you know, it's a good thing to say. Good thing to ask. I will not say anything about another that I would not say to their face. And then secondly, everyone I speak to must be a friend that I know will help. It's not that we don't say anything. I mean, here's the thing. I don't want you to be so scared of gossip that you're afraid to help somebody when you see them going down the wrong path. That you're afraid to speak up and say something. Because listen, admonition is an important thing in the body of Christ. And there are times for it. But know when, know how, and be prayed up about it. I don't know how many of you like Johnny Cash, but Johnny Cash has been a big part of my family. My grandfather liked Johnny Cash. Got every album. I remember when I was a kid, I got this big scar on my cheek from a bike accident. You know, a little kid with a big scar, I felt so bad. My grandfather said, that looks good. It's like Johnny Cash. And I thought, man, I'm like Johnny Cash. I'm cool. Well, you know, Johnny Cash, (laughs) a believer who struggled most of his life with alcohol, drug dependency, you know, he'd get sober up and do okay for a while, and then he'd fall off the wagon. Well, anyway, in his 70s, uh, he got into a bad place again, and it became evident to everybody around him. He was touring. He's in his 70s. That's too old to be doing that kind of stuff. And uh, anyway, his family decided they needed to do something. So they got the grandkids, the kids, the people who loved him. People who loved him came and one after another, granddaddy, I don't want you to die. You know what I mean? Please. And you know what? He broke down. He agreed with them. He went to rehab and he stayed sober the rest of his life. And it probably added 10 years to his life. Here's my point for saying that. It's not that we don't say anything anytime. There's a difference between gossip and trying to help somebody and intervene. It's what I'm saying helpful or hurtful. Am I a part of the solution or am I just talking for entertainment? It's very important to know the difference. Your words matter. The words you speak are incredibly important and powerful. Look at this. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. That's Jesus, okay? Did you catch that? If you're not convicted by anything I say about gossip, listen to Jesus I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And some people make a mistake. They go, well, I'm a Christian, so my sin's forgiven. Yes, your sin is forgiven. You're going to go to heaven, but you're also going to have to answer questions. What did you do with the gift God gave you? For the believer, the first judgment you pass because Jesus died on the cross. You have no sins held against you. But this is something we will give account for every careless word they speak. Do you know how many careless words I've spoken? That's not a day I'm looking forward to too much. I'm looking forward to heaven, but this conversation, 
Watch this. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Your words matter. What I need to understand is that my words have the power of life and death. And every time I'm speaking of someone else, I want to be speaking well. To be saying things that are helpful and never hurtful. You know, I want to believe the best about people, not assume the worst. I want to be a person who's part of the solution, building others up and never a part of the problem. I want my words to be seasoned with salt, full of love, lifting people towards the things of God. I want my words to be helpful and kind and encouraging and full of blessing and never full of curses because my words are powerful. You feel the same way. We all do. Why do we do this nonsense? It's that sinful nature thing that just takes us down that place. And sometimes it's just so much fun. But you got to watch it and you got to check it because your words are important. So rather than being a conduit for bad news and death and pain and destruction, you want to be a vessel for good news, sharing the truth and grace of what God can do in the lives of those around us. So when everyone else says, eh, it's not that big of a deal, it's not really hurting anybody, remember, words are powerful. And just because everybody else says acceptable, God's calling us to a higher standard. And when I'm caught speaking about others, I always want to be speaking life and never speaking death. I'm going to leave you with this. It's, uh, it's a verse that we already looked at, Ephesians 4.29. This is from Eugene Peterson. I love this guy, old pastor. He wrote this, uh, the message. <clears throat> he interprets 4.29 this way. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. And I love this part. Check it out. Each word a gift. Each word a gift. What you say absolutely matters. You have incredible power to build up or to tear down. And as Christ followers, we're called to build each other up, to speak words of life, and to think before we talk. Pray with me. Father, I'm so guilty. <laughs> I can talk. <clears throat> and Lord, sometimes I've talked and I've preached messages and people have gotten saved. And Lord, sometimes I've just devastated people. Lord, I just ask you to forgive me for that. And Lord, to help to convict me going forward, Lord. When I'm tempted to say something negative that has no purpose or help, Lord, remind me that I am to be a conduit of blessing, not cursing. That I am to help, not hurt. Lord, our words matter. Holy Spirit of God, we need you to direct us in how we speak to one another. Lord, we trust you well because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.